What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Going Live podcast. It is your host, Max Going, and today we are back over the Skype. We are kicking with Kyle virtually. We are talking some UFC today. Kyle Siegel, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Great, Max. Thanks for uh, having me, man. We got some great UFC fights to talk about. You know, usually we do this for pay-per-views, but I mean, this is one fight card that it's up to that caliber. It could definitely be a pay-per-view if uh, if a belt was on the line, no doubt. I am super excited for this one. A lot to get to. Uh, we'll get to about six fights. We'll, we'll be talking about six fights for Saturday night. But before we do, we have some, some very unique MMA news. A free agent signing by the UFC Former 155 champion Michael Chandler is finally here. Rumored after a few weeks, about a month now, his name has been circling in the rumor mill. Finally, Dana pulls the trigger, gets it done. A, first and foremost, are you excited about this? What's your initial reaction when you heard the news? I mean, I'll tell you, I've been a fan of Michael Chandler for a while because he's one of those fighters where he's UFC caliber. Um, The one disappointing thing is I mean he did lose his title, which people call it was a first round fluke knockout against you know the current Bellator lightweight title you know fighter Pitbull or Patricio Frieri. But at the end of the day, Michael Chandler, I mean he's UFC caliber. Easily you could throw him up there in top ten. Um, and the difference is I mean he went out there in his last fight against Benson Henderson, and I mean Benson's old. He's not. The same Benson Henderson, but Benson doesn't get starched in the first round. And I'm not going to lie. He got starched in the first round, you know, by uh, someone who's supposed to be a wrestler. So Michael, yeah, you know, not only that, he, you know, his, he's predominantly a wrestler. And he has had, I believe it is, two fights with Eddie Alvarez already. So that's one thing, you know. Um, them t- right away talking about he's going to be back up for the title. I'll say I don't believe that, you know. I think that's a little much. But, hey, I mean, it gets the fans excited. I mean, that lightweight division is so stacked top to bottom. So, so Michael Chandler, former Bellator champion, loses the belt, but obviously is probably... Before he lost the belt, he was dominating everybody, you could say. And for the most part, he was widely considered the best fighter in the organization. Pound for pound, the best, best, best fighter in Bellator. So... It is nice to see someone who is the very best at Bellator come over because there's always that debate of whether or not Bellator and the UFC are comparable in terms of talent. So this will be a great example to see and whether or not it will transfer over immediately. Now, for you, you just mentioned that you don't believe that he'll be the backup fighter for the title fight. I agree with you on that. I think it's a... A, I don't even think he would be allowed to with USADA, and B, it just it doesn't make sense. Like them saying Poye is going to back up. Like, what good does Poye versus Gaethje do again? You know, because exactly. if Poye beats Gaethje again, you know, not saying it would happen, but if he does, then it's it just creates a cluster. Um, I think at the end of the day, if there's going to be any backup, you know, it would it will be Poye, but I think it's going to be if Gaethje resides, or I think you know if Tony resides. Um, I think that fight does go down, both those fighters, you know. Um, and, I mean, not to get fast, but let's just put it this way. Justin Gaethje, you know who who his main training spar partner right now is? Kamaru Usman. 
So who's a bigger version in welterweight that you can mimic Khabib with? Kamara Usman. So you want to talk about someone you know who's who's taking things seriously? Absolutely. And when you we talk, but with Justin Gaethje, he's obviously fighting for the title. And after the title happens, there will be a lot of questions answered. But with you, with that being said, we obviously know that you know Justin Michael Chandler would be a great fight. But for you, realistically, where do you where do you where do you see Michael Chandler fighting? Because the one thing about the 155 division that is not really mentioned in this is that there are a lot of matchups already mentioned to be made and already kind of made. And so where, where does Michael Chandler fit into this whole scenario? Because I think do you, he's, do you he's believe he's a top, top five fighter? Top five, to be honest, no, I don't think he's top five. Um, okay. Put it this way, Dan, Dan Hooker, he's a top five, right? And he won two rounds against Poirier. I think there's very few lightweights that can win a round against Poirier, you know? I think the only other ones are Gabe G, McGregor, and Khabib, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Dan Hooker, he's he's no joke. He he would be throwing to the fire. I mean, I just don't see, you know, Chandler backing up a title fight. That would just be, you know, that's just more of, I think, Dana promoting it. Um, I think, you know, even maybe like a Paul Felder or he gets, you know, a Charles Oliveira, you know, who's the dark horse of the division at the moment and no one wants to fight. Um, but you know what? I mean, I'm, I was ecstatic when I saw that, you know, I told you today I was working. I had no idea. I try not to, you know, look at my MMA news. And when I found out Michael Chandler, I was like, he's one of the few guys who, you know, he brings it every, every fight. So here's a, um, it, just a suggestion, not a suggestion, but just a thought. What about a Kevin Lee? Would a Kevin Lee make sense as an opening fight for him? I'm Tenth in the rankings for the 155. He's for another year. He's having both knee surgeries. and Gotcha. Um, as much as I want to say best of luck with Kevin Lee, I think his time is, you know, you know, every every loss he has, he always has an excuse, you know. There's been points where you look like the second coming of Christ, you know, when he knocked out Gregor Gillespie. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, he gets beat by Charles Charles Oliveira. You know, gotcha. So, what about like uh, an Aya Quinta? I think that'd be a good first match. Okay, because that that's kind of where I see him and fitting Al- right I mean, away. You know, so I think that's a good matchup. Alex got good wrestling defense. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be a slugout fest. Um, and you know, like they said, you know, I mean, you have all this controversy now saying Bellator saying they have the best light heavyweight division. Which is, you know, you know, my thoughts on that is just laughable, laughable. But, you know, I mean, it's good to have. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm happy Bellator's there because it gives you more MMA to watch on the side. You know, and I think more as these pods progress, we'll talk more and more about Bellator. You know, for instance, like Ryan Bader just lost his light heavyweight title to Vadim Nemkov. Little did people know, you know, now this you have this Russian guy who is Fedor Emelianenko's protege come and steal the show from Ryan Bader, you know. So just, you know, some of the fighters, I'll say, are UFC quality, but then there's other people that, you know, like, for instance, Corey Anderson. He goes to Bellator. I think he could be a world title, but look what happened to him in the UFC. He got starched. Absolutely. Levels I, think, I think that's what <clears throat> what makes this, this signing so intriguing to most uh, hardcore MMA fans. This is a guy, Michael Chandler, who... Who could give some real problems in the top five? Not right away, but eventually his wrestling is so good that I mean, if you look at the light 
if you look at the 155 division, it's a lot of wrestlers, a lot of guys with great ground games. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he matches up. And I'm really excited to see what his very first fight is because I think it it, it will really determine money. It's not going to be the title. He's not going to, yeah. you know, that's one thing because not only that, like, why would you ever throw him to the fire like that? You know, you know, you think he, he you know, as good as Chandler is, I think Gaethje starches him. You know, me, my personal opinion. Um, I mean, when we talk about the Khabib fight, I'll tell you right now. I think as much as I love McGregor, I think Gaethje's going to give Khabib proms Khabib's never ever seen before. I'm yeah. with you on that, and I'm like, I'm get stopped in the first few rounds. We'll talk about this more. This is touch up, but like people don't know, I mean, Justin Gaethje, he's a Division One wrestler, and he doesn't have to use it. You know why? Because he's never taken down. He's a he's he's a brick wall for sure. So I'm I'm very excited. For maybe a month, two month. That yeah, we'll we'll definitely be covering that that card as well. But uh, let's get to it. Let's get to it. We got a great fight yeah, card to talk about, and especially the last few you know ones have been. Mm. Be honest, mediocre. You know, you know I was, yeah. I was watching it on my you know house Saturday. And I was like, really? You know, like the Angela Hill, you know, Waterston fight, it was good, but you could tell sometimes Dana's just forcing them in, you know. I think he does definitely has to play a little bit of catch-up because of COVID, so he's pretty much just throwing anyone out there. Yeah, so let's move on, though, because it starts off with a real a real good one and a little bit of a slept-on fight, in my opinion. You got Kevin Holland coming off a big knockout on a short-term opponent, so, and, you know. You know what's funny? If this fight was last week, it would have been co-main event. That's yeah. what I'm saying, man. That is what I'm saying. These two guys are. Um, people forget he was 11-2 and two at one point, and his only losses were to undefeated, or I think he has few losses, Brendan Allen and Thiago Santos. We actually saw, if you remember, Kevin Holland live fight Santos at Staples Center during that fight. <laughs> that He's was bad. Hot way, so long story short, Kevin Holland looks like a different fighter. Back-to-back TKOs, you know, but he's fighting Darren Stewart. He's also a knockout artist. Um, I think he's a lot higher step level up of competition for Kevin Holland. But, you know, I love Kevin Holland's tenacity. You know, him, him you know, straight up saying, you know, he'll, he'll fight up a weight class if he has to, you know, as long as he gets his fights, you know. And that's something you have to love with any fighter, you know. So you got a uh, a prediction for this one at all? I mean, because yeah, I, I think Kevin Holland's gonna, you know, maybe maybe even a decision, you know, to be safe. But um, if it doesn't go decision, I could see an easy second round knockout by Kevin Holland, you know. But the thing is with Darren Stewart, you know, he's gonna come out swinging the first round, and after that, it's gonna be Kevin Holland just picking him apart. Um, but you know, you know, we'll see. That's not one thing. That's not one fight I would bet on. That's for sure. Yeah, that that was. Uh, that's actually exactly what I was just about to say. I think Jaron Stewart's a little bit underlooked in this as as an opponent. He's obviously the underdog, but you have to forget too is Kevin Holland. You know, before his last two victories, he was a nobody. You know, and I say that with an utmost most respect to him. You know, he's a killer fighter. Without without those last two knockouts, you know, he was even on anybody's radar. So, for instance, you know, if he comes out cocky and he comes out arrogant and thinking Darren Stewart doesn't have the power, but no, I definitely, I definitely have Holland. I think, you know, I think Holland's on the uprise right now. 
He's got the right reach. He's got the right distance. Uh, I, I like Holland a lot in that division. So I'm excited for this fight. It's going to be the main event in the prelims, if I'm not mistaken. Or is this I, I the uh, first one? First uh, one on the main card? Okay. So these were, eh, you know, we didn't really feel like talking about them. We can, you know, we get bigger in this podcast, but it's going to be a lot of, you know, prospects that, you know, I'm sure me and you, we could talk about, but the listeners, you know, <laughs> they might want to skip forward a few, you know, five. Times. Yeah, I'm definitely on the same page there. So let's move on, though, to some guys that are maybe not so much known as uh, household names, but. Johnny Walker, Ryan Spawn. Well, Johnny and, Walker, I mean, he was a household name. Yeah, and he's and, coming off a few losses. And and I love here's it. A guy, look, he's, everyone said he was the second coming to beat John Jones. You know, he had those three knockouts in a row, and he looked like anything he hit. And then he ran into Corey Anderson. He got caught. Corey knocked him out. But you know what? He rebounded against Nikita Krylov, and he got to you know he got outworked for three rounds. He lost a unanimous victory, and they're not giving him any slouch because they're giving him someone who has eight wins in a row right now in Ryan State. <laughs> so I was just gonna say him, that like, an easy road. No, I mean um, the one thing I'll say about Johnny Walker is he's training with Faraz Sahabi. Faraz Sahabi is GSP's old coach. For people that don't know. At the TriStar Gym in Canada, um, he's you know one of the best MMA coaches to ever exist. And let put it this way: you you don't ju- you can't just go to that gym. You know, <laughs> it's not like you know you can just have Faraz as your coach. Um, there's a reason you know Faraz is looking at Johnny, and you know hopefully Johnny gets the victory back. We're hoping he needs to go back to his you know I can knock you out with any punch instead of just this hesitation. So. So I was I was just about to say the exact same thing though. They Johnny Walker obviously a huge prospect for the UFC one point. Kind of been on this little bit of a skid. The UFC is not taking it easy on him. Ryan Spawn has been uh, out of his eight wins in a row, only three have gone to decision. He and it's not all just it's not all KOs, man. He's got two. He's got three subs and three KOs, straight KOs. So. His victories is a split decision for Sam Malvi. Mm-hmm. It does worry me a little bit because I think Sam Malvi, you know, is you know everyone loves him. He's a fan favorite, but let's just say you know if you're doing a split decision to get Sam Malvi, you're not going to be in the you know the top ten anytime soon. But uh, my honest opinion, I think Walker is going to go in there and make a statement in the first round. I like I like this fight a lot. It's going to be an interesting one because. I mean, Ryan Spawn, as you just mentioned, eight wins in a row. Obviously, not all of them coming in the UFC. I think Walker but... with Faraz, he has too much to lose at this point. You know, if Absolutely. he gets three L's in a row, in a row, you know, that's a career altering. You know, uh, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, Ryan Spawn hasn't lost in the UFC so far, so this exactly. is going to be. A... I don't want to, you know. I mean, it's not a bad. Put it this way: if you're a betting man, Ryan Spawn first round knockout is it? Yeah. Good betting odds. He's coming in. It's a close fight, though. He's only a, a, a plus 105 underdog. He doesn't always knock out people. He always does decisions or submissions even. But mm-hmm. um, I think they're just trying to get Johnny Walker back on his feet, to be honest. You know, I think that's why they're giving him this fight. They're also, you know, they're also <laughs> give Ryan Spann someone, you know, to see yeah. real Ryan Spann is. I think this is a good test for both people. 
I think it's a it's a it's a good way to see if Johnny Walker is the real deal. If he can People if he can get back on the Johnny horse. Johnny Walker was about three wins away from a title shot. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> literally, literally though, and and ever since he's just it, ever since he d- he did that that worm, and right that was him, knocked yeah. out his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Ever since that man, he's just been completely different fighter. So I'm but, excited for that one. What, that's exactly the exact same thing that happened to Corey Anderson. Once Corey yeah. Anderson knocked out Johnny Walker, he acted. He started calling out John Jones, acting like there's nobody, you know, nobody ahead of him. And then he ran into the Polish power, John, you know, Jan Blasowicz. They got first round starched. Yep. Made him switch organizations. So you know, it's like this is it's a crazy. You know, people forget it's light heavyweight. There's no more Cormier. So much mm-hmm. so it's real, real interesting coming up. Yeah, a new breed of light heavyweights. Because at the end of the day, Jan is not young at all, and so even if he does win the belt, it's not like he's gonna be able to, you know, five, six years. I will run. say, I'm pretty sure I called that on that podcast. Hundred percent. Get starched by Blasovic. Hundred percent. Positive. I call that on. His <laughs> Blas- Let me tell you a real quick story for these listeners. Jan Blasovic is a wrestler at heart, right? And when this is fights ago, okay? But this is when he came into his second coming. He fought this guy named Jimmy Manuel. Now, Jimmy Manuel is this English boxer. He was a knockout artist. No one wanted any business with him. They fought once. Jimmy kicked the living crap out of him. He's a wrestler. He was on the feet. You know, about a few years ago, Jan Blasowicz had a huge, huge comeback and said he worked on his boxing. In a three-round war, with this boxer, Jimmy Manuel, who was supposed to be this fear knockout artist, he beat the shit out of him in a unanimous decision. And this is a wrestler boxing. And from that moment on, Jan just took the next level. you know. And that's why when I see as good as Dominic Reyes is, he can't up- underestimate Jan in any way. Because, I mean, what, what Jan's done in his last 34 fights is unreal. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I got Yon in it. To be, I, I, I got Yon. Yeah, I got Yon. I think Yon's going to, you know, I think Rays is going to come at him. I think Rays will try to hit him as fast as he can. But I think Yon is just, he's a different breed because he has his wrestling pedigree. But the fact that he's knocking people out and that's his secondary, that's the scariest part about him. And Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And, for and sure. I'll tell you one thing, too. This is controversial, but. I think John Jones is more afraid to fight Yon than he is Dominic Reyes again. 10%. I agree. I agree 100%. with you. Ten percent. Yep. I, I I think we're both in the mi- the minority in that belief system too. I think a lot of people think he's afraid of Dom. I don't think so. I think I think Yon is the one that scared him off the heavyweight because if you take a look at it, Yon can can knock him out like out cold. He he went with with Dom for five rounds and survived for five rounds. I don't think you can survive for five rounds. Yon got knocked out by Santos. That's the only thing. So that's the only thing on his. You know he did, but then again he wasn't. You know, I mean Santos has been through hell and back too. You know. Yeah. Look absolutely. what Jones fight did to Santos. They put him out almost a year. Yep. So. He's also going to be fighting soon, which is going to be a, a good one. I'm excited for that fight. So our next fight is going to be the most uh, <laughs> hyped up fighter we've probably had since. Take it away. Take it away. I know you got a lot to say. So 
You got this. Yeah, one. I mean, here we go. Cam's, Cam's at Chimeyev. I mean, I hope I'm. I don't even really care how I pronounce his name anymore. Everybody knows him in the MMA community, but yep. he's fighting Gerald Mearshart. Um, basically, you know, long story short, he's a, you know he's a scarier welterweight version of Khabib with finishing techniques and. The UFC has done something where they've usually never done is they're allowing him to go back and forth from 170 to 185. So he's going to fight Mearshart at 185. It's supposed to be a domination by Kamzat. And then he's going to go fight Demian Maya at 170. And if he beats Maya at 170 and he ragdolls him, I'm not going to lie. That guy's going to be one of the scariest people on earth. Because just because that's Maya, you know, uh, black belt jiu-jitsu, you know, one of the best all time. Um, we'll speak of this fight first. It's at middleweight. It's at 185. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he does because this is a bigger guy. People forget. This guy fought a fucking lightweight last time. He literally fought a lightweight prospect that moved up to welterweight. And that's what people don't don't remember. The first fight, he fought John Phillips who is a boxer from Wales, has no ground game. So, I mean, I do think Kamzat will become that dominant, you know. I would love to see that because that's something we've never seen before in the sport, you know, as good as Khabib has been. But um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I definitely understand that Chemev is, is considered the hot prospect at the moment. And in terms of unofficial rankings, will definitely be the number one prospect in the eyes of the UFC in terms of promotion. I mean, Sean Malley, obviously. But this guy is double booking. And you just don't see that very often. And so he's got to go through a guy who's 185 pounds before he goes through a guy who's 170 pounds. Do you think that... A, first and foremost, do you think Gerald has a shot? Because I yeah, think that I, do. I, I think people are 100. I would say because people forget Gerald. Hold on one second. I put this in my notes. I was going to say real quick. At one point you go. in his career, Gerald, yeah. 13 and 2 before he got to the UFC. And he was a submission artist. So Gerald is not being he just, respected. He's not had a good UFC, you know. He gets knocked out easy, but the thing is he doesn't get ragdolled easy. So I think part of it, I think Dana almost gave him Gerald a test to see if Kamzak ragdoll a grappler. That's what I'm saying, because he's calling all these shots. He's saying he wants this guy, he wants that guy. Well, then we're going to give you the biggest guy that we could probably give you who's not very high-ranked. But at the end of the day, Chimev is still bigger than him. So it's like if if, Here, if he goes through me about him. Yeah. I watched video of him sparring Alexander Gustafson. Yeah. And they looked like they could be equals at one point, mm-hmm. you know. And Gustafson, we all know he just moved up to heavyweight. He's six foot five. So if Chimev can somehow make one seventy at 6'2"? Six, two? Six, two? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a problem. That's a real problem. Another thing, too, is, you know, let's wait to see what happens with Maya, you know? 
Mm-hmm. If you get that cocky with Maya, Maya's going to put you in a position you don't want to be in. Um, but, I mean, I'm not – if you're asking if I believe in the hype, I mean, I think he's legit. I think he's top 10. I don't think he's top 5 welterweight yet, you know? I think, like, even in, in Leon Edwards, he'd have some really problem, big problems with, you know? Um, but put it this way, I think he'd smoke RDA – you know, it'd be a really good matchup for him, Michael Chesa. Yeah, that would That's be a good matchup, game. and probably would be in consideration for next if he does win. But let's just say he does win both fights easily. I'm saying easily with ease. Beats Maya in the first round. Okay, so screw. I don't want to say disrespect to Gerald, but this is important for them because they do want to give him the test because. He's going to move faster up the UFC ladder than anybody probably since Conor McGregor. So basically, the UFC or Dana's out goal is let's give him one more at 185. See that he is that legit. Then we're going to give him what Maya might be ranked 7th or 8th in the world at 170. Mm-hmm. And if he ragdolls Maya, I'm telling you right now, we have a new we have a new star of the UFC. So... The, my, the question is, though, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Would he be a title shot right away? No, not right away. So They're, they're going to make him get through. you got to go through the fire in one second. That's what I'm saying. So you got to go through Gilbert the fire. Burns, I, right now, I think Gilbert Burns is he, – he, he's going to beat Usman, to be honest. So he beats – let's say he beats Maya, who's number seven in the, in the uh, welterweight rankings right now. That would have to mean you would have to go up above that. It would only make sense. Ah, loser of the Burns Usman fight? I mean, I guess we have to remember too. Burns is, he's a different level. He's doing this stand up and he's black belt jiu jitsu all the way. That's second degree. Second degree. Yeah. And he's an absolute point, animal. You know, that gets us to our next question. You know, I mean, but, but the difference is Usman can't do what he did to Masvidal to Burns. Mm-hmm. He's going to put him in positions. Yeah. And so I remember being on this podcast. Yeah, I fucked up. I thought Masvidal would do a lot more. Same. I realized the weight. But let's be honest. Masvidal did win the first round. Yep. And after that, yeah. Gassed. He looked absolutely horrible. He looked gassed. And Usman is such a smart champion that he said, all I have to do is pin this guy up around up against the round. Not only that, Usman has Justin Gaethje's coach. So Justin Gaethje's coach the entire time was telling him he's got like 13 or 14 of those just knockout punches at you, and after that, he's done. Yep. It's true, you know? 100%. If you have Gaethje throwing, you add those, and when they're sparring, Gaethje's not at 155. Gaethje's probably at 180. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a really good matchup for each other. So who who would make sense though? Let's just say he does get through Maya, because I mean, let's say Woodley loses. Yeah, I think I, I, even if he gets through Maya, I still you think you have to give him like a Michael J. Sox, to be honest. Okay. Um, give him Leon Edwards. I wouldn't want to see him against Masvidal because Masvidal, you know, probably is if he is that good, you know, yeah. you don't see that wrestler. But um, I mean, I just it's it's a tough call because I think it's really going to depend on how that Maya fight goes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. If, if it doesn't go... If you're a betting person, it would be... You would have nothing to lose betting on Kamzat losing the fight against Gerald via submission. Yep. Gerald yeah. or Damien? 
I mean, both, but like. But you're talking about Gerald, right? Money on Gerald, yeah. Okay. Because Gerald's a submission artist, so I mean, if Kamzat comes out a little bit too cocky, and I mean, we like I'll give an example. Look what happened with Kelvin Gastelum and Jack Hermanson. Mm-hmm. Kelvin came out as cocky as I've ever seen that guy come out, and what a moron, you know? Yeah. It's a so, must for him. He gets stuck in a leg lock, and he acts like it's not even important. And guess what? He just let Darren Till get that shot in front of him. So at plus three twenty, I I would have to agree with you that Gerald by sub would be a nice a nice prop bet to go with. Um, I'm um, excited for the yeah, fight. Of course, if you want to win easy money, I'd go Cam submission for sure. Easy. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh that brings us to our co-main event, and uh, this one is interesting because it is Donald Cerrone, Nico Price, and Donald Cerrone has. Four losses in a row, if you can believe that. Yep, four L's in a row. The one to Anthony Pettis was... Imagine saying you have four losses in a row, and you said, who'd you lose to? Oh, I lost to McGregor, Gaethje, Ferguson, and Pettis. (laughs) Yeah, and and Leon Edwards and Darren Till. Those are the only people he's lost to since 2017. And Robbie Lawler and Jorge Masvidal. So he's literally lost to the top six in that rankings, and I th- I honestly think he won the Pettis fight. That's just me. That's me just too. personally me. I think he clearly won it. I mean, like, I can't stand the Pettis shit with, like, uh, Anderson Silva now. It's like, you know, Cerrone, I, I think he's fighting for his kids now. You know, he had that lightweight run, and I think Ferguson did some. I think Ferguson put him, you know, sent him back three different levels. I 100% you know, agree with just you. showing that. Um and believe it or not, if people forget, Cerrone won the first round against Ferguson, which it seems like Ferguson just let him, you know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I want Cerrone to get the win, but Nico Price, once again, he needs a win because he's a knockout artist. Who, you know, he just lost to Vicente Luke. Um, but Nico Price is someone like, you know, you talk about how good the UFC is. Nico Price was, I think he was 11-0 and when he started in the UFC, and now he's 14-4. and Alrighty, so that will do it for part one of Kicking with Kyle as we discuss Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Um, so yeah, we'll be discussing part two the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in to part one. Let this one play out. Part two right now.